0: This
1: is a locker room production.
2: Can I just uh, get something off my chest at the very beginning? Um, from anybody that followed me on Instagram, and I guess I posted something on Twitter too. You saw I was at the Mets game last night, so I just have two things to say. One, Jacob DeGrom is not human, and I am just. Thrilled that I get one of these. You know, I had to hear Yankee fans all their life be like, Oh, I got to watch Derek Jeter his whole career. I got to watch Mariano Rivera. And now, thankfully, the Grom's going to be okay. Uh, it looks like with this injury. But man, um, that was it, it, it from pitch one, it was like, Could he get a perfect game? And he allowed one base runner. And it was incredible. Uh, the second thing um, my voice is shot. So. I apologize if I'm not a uh, peak uh, form today. So,
3: uh, John, you? you'll,
2: be, you'll be carrying most of the load today.
3: That's fine. I'm actually just looking
2: up what uh, Jacob DeGrom uh, did last night. and I'm- So, here's here's the breakdown. He allowed one base runner and drove in two runs as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. He has Pretty allowed good. four runs this season, and he's driven in five. That's a good ratio. Yes, he's having the best season I've ever seen. I don't need to make this Knicks film school pod, you know, Mets film school. No, I'll, leave that, I'll, I'll leave that to JB. But in my transition from uh, Knicks to Mets now for the summer, although obviously we have a ton of, Met, of Knicks content coming out, it's like flatly the best individual season I've seen so far. And that's it's like not even close. Oh yeah, no, James Lee, I'm not Stone. <laughs> he
3: has uh, he has ten,
2: he has ten strike. He's a this can't be right. He is he a .56 ERA. Yes, he's allowed four runs in sixty six innings. Holy shit, that's like
3: yes. Bob Gibson.
2: It's better. Wow. Yeah, okay. what I was telling you the other day, it's the best season I've ever had. That year he had a couple years ago, where he had a one seven zero. ERA, he's that same pitcher, except his miles per hour on his fastball is now like seven miles per hour faster. He's now throwing 101 consistently.
3: Uh, okay, well, this is a fun uh, – this, this is good. This puts me in a good mood. Uh, Luis, here,
2: Luis yes, DeGrom one. is great. Yes, he is. It's oh. like he's Garrett Cole with Aroldis Chapman's fastball is the best way I could put it.
3: Um. I'm just – sorry, I'm just looking up like Pedro's best – that Pedro season was
2: 1.74. So it's back-to-back years. It's 99 and 2000 with Pedro, which is why my buddies have been trying to say, is DeGrom the best we've ever seen? And I I always lean Pedro because he did it during the middle of a time when – Everybody was juicing. Right. So like the strikeout numbers are up now. There's so many uppercuts with launch angles that yeah, I would mean point, Pedro, point, but... point
3: five, point five something is...
2: That's... That's the counterpoint.
3: <laughs> like, that's yeah. the
2: counterpoint, you know? Uh,
3: all right. Well, let's... Um, so, you're... I don't want to waste your voice on uh, on uh baseball not that it's a waste but
2: you want to lay down our our usual ground rules and then Abs- we'll get into it absolutely we can get into it. we already have speaker requests too so thank you everybody for tuning in welcome to our Saturday morning locker room live stream um we're here as always every Saturday morning shout out to Jeremy for filling in last week you guys did a tremendous job kicking off the off season uh, the rules are simple if you would like to request to speak you click request to speak And we will bring you up here one at a time. We're going to try and get everybody up six or seven minutes. uh, If we're a little light on requests, we'll give you a little more time as well. Um, If you have background noise, this is the biggest key. Please mute your mic. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, And don't be offended when we bump you because we've got people in line. And once again, thank you for tuning in. Mr. Macri, are you ready for your first request?
3: Yeah, I'm ready. I wish I had like an opening salvo, but I actually, it's the, the only thing I want to say at the top is that um, I don't really have much Nick stuff like that's like, usually I have something that's been like really on my at the forefront of my mind all week or something that I want to start with. I don't really have that. I'm just kind of like, you know, thinking generally about the offseason, all the stuff that could happen. I don't I, I, I but again, this has been really weird for me because the thing that I've done is really, I've really taken a step away from Twitter. So I don't, this should be fun for me because I don't know what people are going to bring.
2: Um, Colin Loring, can DeGrom play point guard? I wish. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's
4: get our, let's get our first uh, speaker up here.
2: Let's get uh, a staple here on the Saturday locker room. Um, Kusim, how you doing, buddy?
5: Hello? Yes, yes. you're up. Welcome
6: and the it's we, we got this right last time. Costume. Oh, costume. Hey, 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 look at you. Look at you guys remembering things. I love it. Remembering things. I love it. Uh,
3: so talk to me, Kasim. Uh, What's
6: going on? Uh, uh, by the way, I apologize if my connection's a little wacky. I'm on the road right now. Uh, so I'll make this uh, brief, uh, quick saying grace, thank you to everybody, blah, blah, blah. Um. Uh. and I wanted to ask because after watching these first few Suns games and the last Suns series man I want me some CP and by that I mean Cameron Payne um, <laughs> so my uh, I'll, I'll say two things real quick one is that I do repeat my request for uh, John for you to do like a fun juicy in-depth newsletter on here's a first option second option third option kind of uh, you know plan a plan b plan c but more importantly uh with regard to point guards um my question is uh who do you guys see as the the best under 20 million dollar point guards available you know we've been talking about the 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 tj mcconnell's and the cameron payne's and the other guys out there and uh let's not forget there's this guy uh you know luca something sitting on our roster somewhere (laughs) um who we have no idea about so i'm just curious uh you know if if the kyle lowry's and the chris paul's and etc is are not in the cards who who are those second guys are and are they are any of them better than Derek Rose?
3: um yeah no thank you uh i i think it's first of all it's a great question um because like i well let me say this my answer is tj mcconnell and i think it's a it's a pretty obvious tj answer and tj mcconnell do I think T.J. McConnell is better than Derrick Rose? No, I don't think T.J. McConnell is better than Derrick Rose. But um, I think Derrick Rose, pretty clearly at this point, like he doesn't want to be a starter. He may not say he doesn't want to be a starter, but he doesn't want to be a starter. Like they, they know it's not a good idea to start him, especially. And, and and this is the thing with with Tibbs is like we know now what Tibbs like his his M.O. is. He would like to. Get a, a regular unit out there that plays like a lot together, and that's not to say that he's not going to have a six man who's going to play a lot of minutes. But um, I actually think if they can't get or if they can't get one of these guys on the on the type of deal that they want to get them on, I think McConnell would be a wonderful fit. And I, I and that brings me to something that I often think about with with sports um, or really just in life, which is that like. It's – I don't think an, uh, we we think enough about, like, when we see a piece that's an ill-fitting piece that doesn't go by the typical standards of, like, this is what this thing is supposed to do, whether we're talking about sports or anything else. Like, there is a instant dismissiveness of it, and I feel like it's the reason that, like – um you know, it's the reason that like Draymond Green fell to thirty something in the draft because they're like, "Oh, this guy has the game of like a center, or you know, but he's six foot five or whatever it is." Um, like that to me is T.J. McConnell because T.J. McConnell has literally everything you could possibly want in a point guard, except for the fact that he can't shoot. Um,
6: which he's also grown from from what he was.
3: Well, I mean. Yes, he. I mean, I shouldn't say he can't shoot. He doesn't really shoot. Um, I forget what his exact, his exact percentages are uh, from last year, but well, I'll look them up right now.
6: Beyond just the shooting, I think he's gone from being a defensive pest to being a defensive stalwart.
3: I mean, he's still small. Um, I still think in like a high-level playoff series, he might get hunted a little bit. Um, I don't think you know. I'm, I'm. This is the time of year where you start thinking about like 16 game players versus 82 game players. I definitely think TJ McConnell's more of an 82 game player than a than a 16 game player. Or if he's a 16 game player, I think he's a 16 game player who plays like 15 minutes a game, not you know, is your starting point guard. Um, but like, if you tell me that I could have a two headed point guard monster of TJ McConnell and and Derrick Rose next year, and that I'm going to get something else out of that, which is to say. I'm going to be able to spend my money on something else that really matters. I'm going to take on a salary dump. Not that I think they're in the market for salary dumps, but whatever. Um, Like he's the clear answer for me. Um, I don't even.
6: If if he's your clear answer, I would I would love to see what the statistical number and numerical analysis difference is between McConnell and and my boy campaign.
3: Um, well, for starters, McConnell this year had a, five, a 57.4 effective field goal percentage, which is, uh, like, a, absurd um, mm. for for a point guard. Um, campaign, if I had to guess, is going to be above five. Oh, right, there you go. Look at this. Speak of the devil. So campaign, 57.6. So they're neck, and neck. That's pretty, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Okay, I'll give you that much. Campaign
6: also. I'm saying it might make for a fun little nugget in a future email if if you want to throw it in there.
3: Campaign also shoots the three. Um, I guess. I guess here's where I I trust. I trust McConnell to run the show a little bit more, um, in the in the sense that like I think McConnell is a little bit more of a quote unquote true point guard. Um, I think he definitely is out there to look for other guys as opposed to looking for
6: his own shot. Although he can get his own shot, um, that's cam- fair. But if you put the Tibbs filter on there, which is I want a guy who can penetrate, who can, uh, who can, that's that's campaign uh, every day of the week. Well, campaign, um, shot. He didn't drive
3: a ton this year. Only fi- only sixteen percent of his shots came. Um, within the restricted area, whereas uh, McConnell is about double that. Like McConnell lives to drive. Um, and if you want to even go take it a step further, McConnell, uh, do, 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 more than two out of every three of his shots were within 10 feet. Um, campaign is just about 40% of his shots came within, within 10 feet. So McConnell's definitely, I think, more of a Tibbs type of player. Um, but I don't know, man, the shooting, the shooting piece with, with Cam. And also it's like, you know, you hate to say this about McConnell, but you know what McConnell is. Um, exactly. The campaign no, is 26 years old. Well, he's 26 years old, but he's 26 years old. Also being, let's see, he was in Cleveland in eighteen nineteen. Yeah. So he's two years removed from essentially being out of the league. Um, mm-hmm. not essentially being out of the league. He was. Yeah, like, yeah, he was. Um, I forget.
6: Um, he oh, was a God. good reclamation story, I remember, from last year's bubble. And, and that also yeah. brings me to another point that I almost feel like the only time I start hearing campaign stuff is in the playoffs. Uh, because he's, uh, again, two-year uh, small sample size. But in the last year's playoffs and this year's playoffs, like, man, campaign's actually really good. I will pay more. I will pay more
3: attention to him in particular um, for the rest of these playoffs, and I have a feeling I'm going to have more than enough time to do so because I don't think the Suns are going anywhere anytime soon. Oof, right? Um, yeah. I mean, he's averaging. I mean, look, he's getting 18 minutes a game for the team that I don't know. Are they? They're not the favorites in the whole league, but they're certainly the favorites in the West right now. Um, oh, yeah. That's a good one. I, I. You know what? I really appreciate this take. Gossam, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some more time on campaign. How about that?
6: Uh, all right, I'm on the campaign campaign uh, as of as of right now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. You can't make this stuff up. This is great.
6: Uh, all
3: right, well, Gus, this was great. Anything else on your mind before we let you go?
6: Uh no, no. I'm about to park and pick up some breakfast tacos. So you guys have a good one. You
3: too,
2: man. You Be too. Well. There you go. Camp-
6: Campaign campaign,
2: campaign isn't really good. That is awesome. That is good. I like that one. Okay. All right. Uh, a staple in Nick's Twitter that has also been a fan of Nick's film school for a while. Uh, Matt, also known as Aussie Nick's fan. Oh, welcome okay. Welcome
3: I, I, I know, Matt. How you doing, buddy?
2: Ah, oh, Matt. Matt, can you hear us?
3: He, I, well, he's not on mute, so that's a good sign. Matt going once. Whoa. Oh, wait, I heard something. Matt, is that you? Oh, uh, I think but we want to try Matt again in a little bit.
2: Yeah, Matt, if you can try requesting us again, we'll bring you right up, right? Um, next. Then another staple in Nick's Film School's world, Uh, Mr. Pittman. Welcome to the stage, sir.
3: There he is. Hey,
2: how are you guys doing?
3: This is always a special moment. Hello, CT. How you doing? (laughs) How you doing? Uh, I'm good.
7: I'm good. So uh, sticking with the Phoenix Suns, I'm looking at Mikael Bridges and I'm looking at uh, Kevin Knox. What? (laughs) Why would you do that? Right. (laughs) Why? Why? Well, I'm wondering, do you think I know that he comes up in a lot of trade rumors, uh, Knox does. But do you think that there's something there that the team can the Knicks can I mean, do you think they've given up on Knox? I mean, because I'm looking at Bridges yesterday and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a defender and a shooter. Kevin is a is a good shooter. We know that, but uh, yeah. is there anything that they can salvage? You know, because Reggie Bullock, you, we already know he's getting older. You know what I mean? Um sure. I'm just wondering what what is there anything salvageable with him?
3: Well, I so here's the tough thing with Knox, and the thing all the first thing I'm going to reference, and I brought this up a few times on podcasts, um, and potentially here, I forget. But I'll say it again: is I will something that always sticks in the back of my mind is something that Ian Bagley said on on our podcast, um, which is that don't don't take um, whether or not someone was in the rotation this year. You know, I mean, obviously, look, it ha- it of course it has meaning because if a guy is good enough to play, he you know he would play. Um, and Kevin Knox was not one of Tibbs's best you know 10 players this year but he was like don't take that to mean that the organization has given up hope in them or that Tibbs has given up hope um or anything like that and the other thing and this is an opinion of mine that I've held pretty much since the start of the year I almost look at this year as a do-over of like kind of Knox's rookie year I almost think they needed to start from scratch I think the organization broke him um mentally uh, over the course of his first two years um, in that like to, to, to start him out. And I've talked about this before to start him out where it's like, yeah, go out, make mistakes, do whatever you want. You know, it's fine. This is what we want you to do. And then to come back year two and be like, Oh wait, that all that shit that we told you about how we were going to bring you along. Yeah. That's all out the window. Now it's like, if you don't specifically do X, Y, and Z, Um, you're not going to get any time. And I really do think it's screwed with him. And he is um, not like he's young. He's a young, whatever he is, 21 years old. Um, So is there something there? There might be, but for me to sit here and be like, oh yeah, there's definitely something there. I, I, I mean, I I can't say that at this point. I do believe in the shot. I've always believed in the shot. Um, So then it's a matter of like, okay, can you build something off of that? I, I, I'm curious to see what he looks like next year, um, and I think he will be back. But in terms of, like, can the Knicks count on Kevin Knox to be a part of the rotation next year such that, like, they should dr- they should base their draft decisions off of it? Or, or like, uh, uh, let me rephrase that. They should, like, they shouldn't bypass someone, I don't think. Because they're like, oh, wait, no, we have Kevin Knox here. We need to give Kevin Knox twenty minutes a game or fifteen minutes a game. We, we you know, we shouldn't, you know, draft this guy or sign this guy because it'll block Kevin Knox. Like, if Kevin Knox is going to be something at this point, Kevin Knox needs to like bully his way in back into the organizations. I don't want to say good graces because that implies that he's not in their good graces right now. But do, do you get my point?
7: Yeah, I do. Uh, he, he he needs to show them something, you know, show them that he wants to. Be out there, you know. Like what I mean?
3: the spoon, the spoon feeding has like that. We're we're past the spoon feeding stage, right? Right. right. Um. But I why do you still? Where, where Where are you at on Knox? You what? What do you do? You still have like high hopes for him, or do you just? Or at this point, are you just like I hope he's an NBA player?
7: I I, I can, I'm kind of in between because. Do you remember back when his rookie year was a December when he was player of the month?
3: Rookie of the I month. Mean, yeah.
7: Yeah. I mean. Was that fool's goal? Um, you You know what I'm saying? No, I don't. Like, I
1: mean,
3: it's so tough because I don't think you could do the stuff that we saw Kevin Knox do in particular during his rookie. Like, you know, I know it's one play, but he like went at Ben Simmons and like that I'll never forget. Like, that's not something that like everybody can do. And just because you could do that doesn't mean you're an NBA player. But when you also have games where you put up, you know, he, he's put up 30. I'm pretty sure he put up over 20 in a, a bunch of games. Um, he has had moments. He's hit some big shots and, or what, what, you know, amounted to big shots and for, for what those seasons were. Um, there's a player in there somewhere. But like, I don't know. Is that player, is that player gone? Like, sometimes once guys lose it, they don't get it back. Um, I, I just, it's so tough. I, I just all I know is like I'm not counting on anything from him moving forward. And he's certainly not going to be Macalbre. bridge is going to get. He might get a hundred million dollar contract uh, extension this summer. Like, think about that for a second.
7: Right. Right.
3: Which is staggering that we. Passed on him, but whatever. It is what it is. I mean, I haven't given up hope, but like, I don't think you could count on him. I wish we could, but I'm, I'm past that at this point.
7: Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it sucks, though, right? Because he right. seems like such a good kid. Right. It's like I said, I, I, I'm looking at him and I'm, I'm thinking back to his rookie year, and he did have some good games. You know, I mean, he was under uh, a bad coach under Fisdale, but he did have some good games. And I'm wondering if him sitting on the bench this year watching the team play the way they played, you know, the mentality that they had that he picked up something. You, you know what I'm saying?
3: Oh, um, I, I'm sure he did, um, but is that, you know, I mean, like... He, yeah, that, does that translate I, to the, I, to the I, court? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at his December, his stats from that month. He, He from Just real quick on this, from December 9th to January 13th of his rookie year, which was 16 games, he averaged 18 points, 5 rebounds, shot 38% from 3 on 6 attempts per game, 41% overall, obviously that's not great. Um, But yeah, I mean, he had a 31-point game in there, he had a 26-point game, 24-point game, like, you know, they were all losses, (laughs) he wasn't helping them win games, that's for sure. Uh, but you know, he had a, mi- he had a minus nine net rating for that time. It, you know, this is not great. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I hope he gets one more shot. I'll say that.
7: And my last question is, um, what kind of, um, jump do you think the front office needs to make this in terms of the roster? W- um, I mean, as people, so a lot get- of people been saying it's time to go all in. Other uh, people say keep building. I'm just wondering, where, where do you, what do? You- um,
3: I don't think the choice to go all in is going to be their choice to make. I think it's going to be if if uh, you know if Dame Lillard or Bradley Beal says that they want to come to New York uh, via trade. Guess what? You're going to be watching Bradley Beal or Dame Lillard in New York next year. Um, but that's not up to the front office, unfortunately. Um, in terms of, um, in terms of other stuff, they need to, I, it doesn't necessarily need to be a point guard. It doesn't necessarily need to be a wing player who can create on the, on the, on the perimeter, but they need to get one of those two things. They cannot like, they need to get one more piece a veteran piece who can, who can do stuff with the basketball <laughs> you know right. i don't know i don't know who that i don't know who which player it's going to be but they need to i do think they need to bring in one more guy because that's the only way i think that the the off the the team could take a a step forward and and you know my me and andrew talked about this last week um on the podcast i think they need to take a step forward i think it's important for this year
7: right right
3: thanks guys yeah no thank you my man always a
2: pleasure Alrighty, uh, next to the stage, uh, Jeffrey. Welcome to our Saturday morning lock, locker room live stream. What's going
3: on, my man? How you doing? Jeffrey has an adorable picture of his daughter as his uh, as his thing. I love it.
2: Yeah, girl dad, girl dad. Shout out to all the girl dads out there. Yeah, um, Jeffrey, you have, week. you have a busy weekend as a as a girl dad uh yeah kids kids getting christened tomorrow so that's a thing Um, there you go that's a thing you sound so excited Jeffrey if you if you get a uh a chance to come and request again go go right ahead and we'll bring you right up um speaking of which Matt let's try again Aussie Knicks fan welcome to the stage take two Matt you there uh, is locker room having issues? Because Matt was saying he was talking before, and locker room wasn't uh, letting him up here. Not that locker room would ever have issues. Never. No, Never. we love our friends at, at locker room. <laughs> um, Matt, <gasps> all right, here is. Yeah, is... oh. we hear you.
8: Sorry, I, I had to. The app keeps like like shutting off and then like freezes and whatever. But I'm here.
3: Uh, and that is right. all that
8: matters. Thank you, thank you for having me. Hope your voice what? is better, Andrew. Um, I have two a little bit more uh, general NBA questions. Um, oh, My sure. first of which is more of a, I guess from, I guess, like being in Australia, more of an outsider. Um, What are your thoughts on doing like quarterly voting for all of the end of season awards or like after every game voting as opposed to just one vote at the end of the year?
3: What do you, well... So they do the. I mean, they have the player of the month, but you're talking about
8: like first. like start. you, like you would need to submit MVP votes like four times in a year. Like the hundred voters would submit after like two months, and then four months, and then whatever. It's
3: an interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. It's an interesting thought exercise, and I think it gets at the heart <laughs> of it gets at the heart of these awards because, and it's funny because recently we have had voters acknowledge the fact that narrative, the narrative means something to them. Um, And narratives obviously are things that build up over time. And it, and by definition, they do not treat um, all the segments of the season equally so but by, by by what you're proposing, it would essentially treat each segment of the season, and let's just say they they put in votes every ten games or every sixteen games or every twenty games, whatever it is yeah. like you're you're essentially doing something whereby you would treat each each of those segments of the season equally. And I think there would be pushback on that because I think you would have voters that would say, the first 16 games of the season should not be weighted the same as the last 16 games of the season, just, you know, to throw an arbitrary number out there. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would personally say, this is just my two cents, which is worth nothing, but I think MVP should stay as is because I do think MVP is the type of thing where it's okay to have kind of your own internal like thought process about what it means and like what it should be for something like all NBA, I
1: think maybe
3: that is an award where I, or a a designation where I would be more okay with like um, doing it like a a private, you know, submit your private ballot for the first 10 games now for all NBA. And then because I, because I do think there becomes like, it becomes pressurized over the course of the year. Like, again, I have no idea what, what all NBA is going to result in this season, but like if Russell Westbrook makes an all NBA team that this year, like for example, that to me would be a travesty because he was like actively detrimental towards him, his team being good. He was like, I don't know what, was he the hundredth most valuable player in the league over the course of the first 10 or 20 or 30 games? Maybe, you know, and then, like there will be a lot of voters who just like completely ignore that that ever happened because he went on a hot streak towards the end of the year. Like, so Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, I think that's an interesting thing, but more for all NBA um, than, than for like
8: MVP and the other end of season awards. Yeah. I only thought of it because like when they came out with the total votes, um, I remember when Tim Bontemps did his straw poll, like halfway through the year, like James Harden and LeBron were pretty high up. Like they were sort of top three and then they both finished with one point at the end of the year. I just thought that was quite an interesting contrast. I I think that's just purely because of the games missed. Um, Yeah, like, I I get that. But then I'm sort of thinking if you had, like, every 16 games or whatever, then that would put emphasis on, like, the 16 games they did play, and that would equally weight it. But then I guess people are tossing up, well, they missed so-and-so of the season. But I just thought it was – because we – like our local sports, our big uh, sport here, they do it votes after every game. So it was just interesting, interesting. from our outside perspective uh, what they do. I, I don't need um, it, I'll say that. No, it's just, yeah, as I said, just outside of perspective. Um, my second question is something that I feel like is not being brought up enough. Um, what do you think the impact moving to a Wilson ball will be for next year?
3: Oh, my goodness. I, I have not
8: spent one day.
3: Millisecond, thinking of that. Um, I, I have a know. thought. No, go ahead, go ahead, John. Go ahead.
2: No, I have no thoughts on it. Andrew, you can take this one. Well, so do we know what ball they're switching to? If anybody in the chat or if Matt, if you know, like, which specific Wilson ball they're switching to? Uh, no, I just – No, that
8: I think Wilson were trying to work with the NBA to come create one because I read somewhere that they changed the spalding one and it only like this is years ago and it only lasted like two months and then the players kicked up a stink and then they changed it back. They Mm. listened to the player feedback, but I'm I just know that the Wilson they're changing from spalding to Wilson. I thought was like given how many players are very like ritualistic about getting their routines like with the feel of the ball. Have an impact on like shooting percentages or like any of that sort of stuff. I'm just bit of a out
2: there question, but what do both of you think? Well, so my my only experience is at this point in my life a limited pickup basketball player. Um, the Wilson <laughs> the Wilson Evolution basketball is hands down the number one indoor outdoor pickup ball that exists. Um, I know when I want to say it was the mid 2000s. They switched, they switched the balls, and Nash used to complain that this one has too hard a grip, the composite leather. I remember that. It rips their fingers. Um, also, in a previous life, when I worked retail and we sold the game-used ball at the store I worked at, um, it just no one bought it because it was the same thing Nash was saying. This feels like I'm – it doesn't feel like a basketball. It doesn't actually, like – move through your hands smoothly enough. Um, as far as, that's 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 for us, us normal folk that don't play in the yeah. NBA. And the thing I would just lean on is these people are, and when I say these people, I mean like these athletes, these freaks of nature, will have time to adjust to it. That maybe in the beginning is an adjustment period, but I just, the, their their repetition habits will eventually lead to them, uh, normalizing it and in a couple of years it won't even won't even have, be a factor. That's my I, little nerd corner on the the, con, the the texture of a basketball.
3: I I just want like why? Like why why are we doing this? We the the uh, what was it? 6 the 6 or 7 best offenses in the history of the NBA were this year. Um mm-hmm. you know, and then
2: look, there are reasons for that. Uh maybe um you know well, that... the the first answer is money. Like Wilson bought the rights okay. over Spalding. You know, but I don't know. I kind of
3: I like watching good offense um, myself, but I don't.
2: Yeah, uh, it's... I, I mean, so do I. And if, if to the point where it's actually been frustrating this year for baseball, they switched to a different ball which isn't as juiced and doesn't go as far. And as a result, numbers across baseball are down. Um, I actually knew that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, JB. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm with you on that. Maybe this is just an attempt to to shake things up a bit. But I think it's more money related, you know, that like Wilson sure. just had a higher bid and they're going to create a different ball. For sure. Good question. Um, Got me thinking. Th-
8: thank you. Um uh yeah, that was it. I uh, hope you guys have a good uh, rest of your Saturday. Um, you too, sir. And go, Nick. Thank
3: you, man. Always appreciate
8: your uh, your
3: support on Twitter as well, man. Uh, thank you.
2: Oh, good. See you, guys. Yep. Oh, Nick's indeed. I love it when we get people from all over the world. That oh my, my God! So it, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. All right, Jeffrey. We're gonna try again. Jeffrey, welcome to the stage.
1: Hey guys, can you hear me?
2: Yes, we can. All right. Gideon. Yeah, I think
1: I had a problem because I was playing you through my speaker, and it wasn't working that way. Okay. Uh, I actually got a great TJ McConnell story for you. <laughs> oh, because, please. Uh, I coached Long Island Best Wild here on Long Island at East Sub High School. Okay. And we went down to Florida back, you know, uh, early 2010s in Disney World for a tournament. We walk out uh, into the championship game onto the floor. You don't really know who you're playing. There's no scouting involved or anything like that. And at the time, we had this six, eight, like all Long Island center, who ended up, you know, going to Dowling, played overseas in Spain for a couple of years. And I, we look across the court, and it's a bunch of six foot two, nothing white kids from Pennsylvania. I'm like, oh, no problem, we got this. <laughs> it was happened to be T.J. McConnell's team, and his dad was the coach, and they beat us by forty five. <laughs> 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 because it's he fantastic. was, because he was absolutely all over the floor on everything. I don't think our Long Island center even got a touch because, because of him, he was that insane. Just pressuring the ball, stealing it from our, our guards left and right.
3: Uh, I was, I'll just, I'll always remember the, cause I, as anybody who, who listens to me regularly knows, I'm an avid, avid uh, low post podcast listener I'll, and he's, and Zach has since referenced when he originally said this, but I'll never forget when he made the joke, about like uh, T.J. McConnell's good if you want you know help in the video room or something to that to that effect. And it was like you know when T.J. McConnell was a rookie, and like I would wager any amount of money that T.J.
1: heard that and and like thinks about it every day he goes out on a, on a basketball court. He just looks like a nut job that takes everything personally.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I love it. I love that about him.
1: And while I love that kind of attitude, and when people bring up signing him. I think he's great in the role that he's in, you know, in Indiana where he's like a or he's your backup point guard, but I don't think he's a guy that you really want to play thirty five minutes a night as a starting point guard. I am a big avid of paying Lonzo whatever we need to pay Lonzo to get Lonzo here. So why why is that? What what do you like about Lonzo?
3: Or what do you foresee Lonzo being here? And and for the for the um, the record, he is still number one on my free agency wish list, although Spencer did when he sneaks up bit by bit every day.
1: Yeah. I don't know what you see in Spencer, but if for, Lon- for Lonzo, for me, it's just the versatility and the all around things that he would bring to us. He, you know, the shooting has severely improved. He's a ball mover. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, pound the rock. And for this team to succeed, RJ and Randall need to have the ball. I don't want a, a point guard, unless he's, you know, Damian Lillard, all-world kind of guy that's going to take the ball out of their hands. And that's and, and as much as I loved Rose, and I brought it up on the playoff uh, locker rooms with you guys, when Rose was on the floor, because he's a guy that needs the ball, it took the ball away from R.J. And, I mean, Randall was off on the playoffs anyway, but, it you know, it, it takes the ball away from those guys, and I think they're the ones that need the ball. Lonzo doesn't need the ball. He moves it every time he has it he's not a guy that just sits there and dribbles and he you can move him from the one to the two if you have a guy like rose to bring next to him or something like that or build if or if <sighs> those fills that role so this to me is is
3: like the great is like the the most i don't want to say it maybe the, the most interesting question when i think about the nba but like when we talk about guys who don't need the ball, I feel like that's that's also a, another way of saying it's a guy that doesn't. This is this is going to come off as a slight, but I don't know how else to say it. He's not good enough to have the ball all the time, um, and and that's to me the the conundrum of, of Lonzo Ball. Um, no no pun intended, um, because. He doesn't like he's not a guy who's going to break down a defense, and that's fine you need guys like that, but if you're talking about like so for instance, you just said a minute ago right that t j McConnell is not a guy like he's he's not he's not the answer he's not anybody's answer i'm I certainly wouldn't argue against that he's not if you like if you think t j McConnell is your answer, you're asking the wrong questions um so but he is you know he can help you in the, in the role that he's slotted whatever 10 15 minutes a game off the bench ideally as we're watching the playoffs right now it's you know when you get to this point in the season it's clear what you need you need guys who who bend the court who have gravity to their game in terms of what they're able to do um like they draw multiple defenders uh, to them one one way or another that's Like, that's the way that you score when you get into these series where, like, good coaches and good players have time to game plan and they, like, bear down on defense every single time. Lonzo is not that. He is, but that said, he is the best version, I think, of, like the player that is just like below that level of player, which is he could literally do everything else. He could shoot, he could pass, he could, he can make smart decisions. He could defend. He's like, he is. I, but that's to me, he's like the best glue guy in the league. Um, and I don't want to call him three and D because I don't think he's earned that designation yet in terms of, of three point shooting. Um, And he's also not just three and D he more, more importantly, he can move with the ball. He can, he can be the perfect connector for your offense. But if there is also not someone in the offense to really bend, bend a defense, then how, how effective can Lonzo be? At least if you're talking about like building a championship contender, which is why, it really comes down to what are your goals for this offseason. If your goals for this offseason are just to get better, like Lonzo Ball will absolutely help you get better. But I don't think, because then essentially what you're saying is like, okay, we're going to trust Randall and RJ to do our defense bending for us. And I don't think either of those guys are good enough to where you're saying, okay, if they're the guys doing that, then we are, you know, we're a contender for, you know, even like the conference finals, which is fine, maybe. But like, do you see? I, I I feel like I'm talking in circles here. But do you see
1: what I'm kind of getting at here? No, I understand what you're saying, but I it. it but I'm of the camp that I think this needs to be a process and not you know, you know, with the Damian For sure. Lillard, with the Damian Lillard thing. It's just like I, I feel like that's just a Carmelo trade 2.0. It's just it's just going to get us, you know, great. We'll get to the second round of maybe even the conference finals, but we're not winning the title with Damian Lillard and Julius Randle as our two guys. And I don't and. And I'm also of the camp that I'm not going to believe we're signing anybody until we actually do. Okay. And I think a guy like Lonzo, you bring and you bring in, he has shown that he's gotten better every single year, and you continue. You hope that he continues to add to his game, which you know, guys like Julius Randle have proved that you can't be writing off these guys as one thing or another until until they are finally done. Because I mean, Julius two years ago looked like he was a you know, buddy. We signed him on a whim hoping he would be the guy that he was this year but you know the year before that he wasn't and he looked like that again in the playoffs but and rj i think has a lot of room to improve so you i think you just start building get pieces around those guys and just hope that they build and build and build until eventually maybe somebody comes or you just have all those guys together and hope that they can continue to improve and build to a team that i think could you know contend for a title
3: i i think that's I think that's a, a, a really good way of saying it. And I guess the last thing I'll say is um, it's a fascinating conundrum because while I personally think that Spencer Dinwiddie may be a better player and may be able to do more defense bending than Lonzo Ball, I think if Spencer Dinwiddie is your starting point guard, you're not winning anything significant. Whereas Lonzo Ball can be a starter on a team that wins a championship. Um, and it, it really does go back to the philosophical discussion of, like, what do you need to do this offseason? And, and more specifically than that, how much of a priority is there to get another – and I'm, I'm going to just use this term – defense bender? Even if the defense bender that you're getting is not going to be a good enough defense bender – um, to take you all the way. Um, I have a slightly different opinion on Dame. I do think a team that has Dame as its number one and Julius Randle as num- their number two, depending on the other pieces, may be able to get you into, into some interesting conversations, but that's a, that's a combo for another day. Um, this is good. It's, a good. it's a good thought exercise and something that is going to make me think and, and maybe write.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. No problem. Thanks,
2: guys. All right, next to the stage, Camille. How you doing today?
9: Hey, Andrew. Hey, John. Can you guys hear me?
5: Yeah, hey, how you okay. doing, Camille?
9: Good, man. Good, good. Big fan of you guys. I follow you guys on Twitter and listen to all the podcasts, man, so I'm glad I'm able to connect with you guys. I appreciate um, it. Yeah, man. Just to uh, kind of just follow up on like the last caller in terms of what he was talking about with Lonzo and... I know that there's a ton of uh, rumors going on right now, especially with – I don't know if you guys saw yesterday with uh, Kyle Lowry. I saw that. And, like, listen, man, like, I'm a big fan of Kyle Lowry. Uh, Josh Hart is what he is. I mean, I don't think he's a game changer in any way. Maybe a good solid bench piece. He's a a nice Um, player. He's a nice player, but, like, is he going to change the dynamic of the offense or defense? I I mean, somewhat maybe. Um, He's a good filler player, but, uh, I mean – would I like to go out to Kyle Lowry? Sure. Chris Paul? Sure. Thing is with those two, man, I mean, 35, 36 years old, like CP obviously like changed the dynamic or helped like put them in the right directions with the Suns this past year. Lowry, like like I giving these guys chances again to – or not chances, but like allowing them to come in and give them that big contract, you're putting yourself in a predicament where more than likely or – it's it's a good probability that they might get injured or they're going to start slowing down. This is the time. Father the time is undefeated, and that's the only thing that I see with that. Lonzo Ball, the way that I see it, I've been a big proponent of, proponent of him the entire year. Um, I just think that he knows how to run an offense, set people up, put people in the right position. And the thing is with him, I mean, there was so much hype with him coming out of college. And it wasn't, like, the best transition when he first came in, but progressively each year he's gotten better. And I think that putting him in a in a defensive scheme with tips would allow for him to succeed and uh, make things easier for, I mean, Julius and uh, RJ, and then you add those other pieces as they come.
3: He makes everybody's life easier. Um, and to your point about a guy who's improved every year, I mean, this season, um, 32 minutes a game, so actually, you know, what, let's go by let's go with his, his per thirty six stats because his thirty thirty six minutes or uh, per thirty six minutes, Lonzo Ball this year was sixteen and a half points, six and a half assists, um, five and a half rebounds. Not to mention almost two steals a game. He gets you some some nice deals, and then obviously, <clears throat> the big one is almost. I mean, this is insane. Shot almost 10 threes per thirty six minutes. Um, and he and this is now we have a two year sample size of him. Uh, being above a thirty-seven percent um, three-point shooter. Now, the thing that has to be added to that is he. None of those, or I shouldn't say none. Pretty much none of those threes are, you know, off the dribble. I mean, these right. are these are catch and shoots. These are let me take a side, a step to the side, you know, uh, around, you know, there's a screen. Let me, you know, one dribble to the side, you know, it's, fire never, really, it's,
9: never, it's never really creating for himself.
3: Yeah. He's not creating anything on the perimeter, yeah. which, but again, that's fine uh, that, you know, it, like you're, you're not getting that player in free agency. Um, and it's, and that's the thing about like Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul, it's like, if those guys were, were going to take you all the way, and look, I if they if if they sign Kyle Lowry to two years, fifty million dollars, I would be happy as a clam. Go for it. I hear you. Yep. you know, if it's two years, fine. Um, but I, 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 they are not going to get you where you need where you ultimately want to go. Lonzo can get you on the road to getting to getting where you need to go, which is again why he's still at the top of my list. Um, I I just I'm I'm leery of if it is giving up assets in a sign and trade and paying him something like I I, I feel so much more comfortable in the 18 to 20 million dollar range than I do the 23 to 25 million dollar range. That's the only thing. It's
9: just a lot of money. I fully agree, man. I, I mean, I, like, I, on top of Lonzo, I mean, I'm the biggest advocate for bringing Rose back. I think as soon as he came, he changed the dynamic of the whole team. I mean, I know we were going in the right direction, but Rose off the bench, he fit in with that bench unit so well. And, like, I just think that Lonzo, if we could get him in that 18 to $20 million range, it it's it's a recipe for success. And, and one thing that I just want to touch on last point sure. is that— uh i mean i, I was kind of on the same train as you last summer with julius get him out of here i mean listen he he took all the big strides this year i actually bet on him to be the most improved player won a thousand bucks so i was happy on that oh <laughs> yeah,
4: very nice <late>. my <laughs> man there you go else on here. Yeah.
9: <laughs> and um i mean the biggest thing for him though like he's a good player he made the strides I don't think it was fool's gold, but I, I don't think he is a number one option. I don't think he's a second option. I think he's a third option, to be honest with you. And I think a lot of people have said that before. I think getting in that first person, if it is Dame, if it is Kawhi, which is long shots and it's just probably pointless to even say it. If you can do that, do it. If not, build the right way and just build it steadily, I guess.
3: Um, I'm all for it. Um, I, I think the Julius as third option, Creates some, um, create some interesting questions because typically, you know, those, those sorts of guys on championship teams are players that have immense value um, on defense and off the ball. And um, I think that Julius, it will, it will be easier for him to be a second option than a third in terms of just his game. Um, but I, there is a, I I do think that there is a world where you could slot a third piece that is, is, you know, that makes, that makes sense around that. Um, I don't know exactly what, what, what that piece might be, but I think, you know, we may find out.
9: No, I agree. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me with Julius is just that if you watch the offense and a lot of this falls on Tibbs in terms of what his offensive scheme was, is that, Nothing else happened unless Julius had it. It's either he's he's uh, when he's in the lineup, he's driving to either going to or he's going to kick it out, and that's the main thing. And that's the only thing that I don't think is a, is a winning well, recipe.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it's listen, I I've said it for the last several weeks. Let me see what Julius looks like next to a, a, another guy who's who's a real guy, which is again, uh, Lonzo's number one for me. But the the only reason why. I'm at least cur- – I would be curious to see a guy like Dinwiddie on the Knicks is because it would give another guy on the team that has some some real gravity. Um, but then again, look, Rose had a lot of gravity um, over the second half of this year, and I never got the sense that he was elevating Julius's game or that Julius was elevating his game. I thought they were just kind of like – it was more like a my turn, your turn thing. Right. Um. And again, does that fall on Tim's? Does that fall on Julius? Does that fall on Derrick Rose? I, I, I can't sit here and answer that question. But I know what we saw, and what we saw was not what I would necessarily call synergy. Although at the same time, this is the last thing I'll say, they had the third best offense in the league from April. Fr- I think it was over the month of April, and it was like over the course of like over a month, it was I think maybe the number one offense in the league. Um. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Lots of interesting decisions, but good 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 thought
2: uh, a good thought exercise all the way down.
9: Thanks a lot, guys. I'll call in next week to talk to you.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Camille. Have a good one. righty. Next This is good stage. stuff today. As as always. I really enjoy these. Things. As always o- listen, one of the smartest fan bases in the planet is the New York Knicks fan base. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh Mark, welcome to the stage, sir.
3: Hey, what's going on, Mark? I recognize that face from Twitter. Uh, Mark, you're on. You're on mute. You have to unmute yourself.
10: Yes, thank you. Okay, can you hear me? I can. Yes. How What's we doing, right? Mark? Okay, great. All right. Hey, I'm fine. Yes. How are you? Uh, well, I heard that you're doing well. Thank you so <laughs>
2: I'll be okay.
10: Well, soon we will. messer in first place. I'm <laughs> okay. good.
2: I'm good. Thank you, Mark.
10: Well, okay then. There, uh, there was a reason for it. All right. Um, first of all, John. Again, about the touch jersey. The... No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> Well uh Camille just beat me to asking about um Hart and hey, Larry. Larry, yes, Larry. Um but uh I'm in general enough for star hunting or for for rushing it at least. So I would rather play a bit slow, not set a harm at once, um, but um just improve. Steadily maybe? I'm sorry, a bit under the weather, as you can hear. So no,
3: you you are good. I well sorry <clears> that you're <throat> under the weather. That sucks. okay.
10: <laughs> yeah. Um so I wonder if uh, we just improve gradually and we might get some of the uh, players from this year back. So uh, I've read some uh, or I've read a lot of time that most people prefer um, Burks over over Bullock. But I think because Julius has this chemistry with Bullock going on, and Bullock seemed to be in favor of Tips or Tips seemed to be in favor of Bullock the other way around. So um, I think it's more given that they might sign to uh, try to bring Bullock back instead of Burke if they improve on the wing with the other player. And I, if
3: yeah, I uh, no, I was just gonna say I agree with you. I, I wrote about this uh, yesterday. I, I think it's close. Um, but I, I think it has to be Bullock. Um, I think he is. I think he's he he really is a dangerous shooter, and I think his his gravity on on the perimeter. I, I know his his limitations were really exploited um, by the Hawks, and the fact that they just like you. It's just it was so frustrating to watch them just slot Trey Young there and like Reggie Bullock just does nothing. Um, that's incredibly frustrating. But at the same time. That's not all on Reggie Bullock. That's also on the roster construction, which, look, there was nothing we could do about this year. They, they did what they could with the roster. Um, but I, I I love your point about the chemistry with Randall. Um, and Bullock's a guy that over the course of his career has proven he could start, he could come off the bench, he could play 20 minutes, he could play 30 minutes, he could play 35 minutes, as he did often this year. Um, and he's going to be able to be just as effective. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for uh, bringing, bringing Reggie back.
10: I mean, of course, we need also the, the skill set of Burke, but um, I think if we get an upgrade at shooting guard or point guard so a guy can create a bit and get to to zone so can penetrate, I think um, Bullock's skill set might be a bit more valuable. For sure. If bring, yeah. uh, if, or if we bring him off the bench, uh, especially if we have uh, a combination of, let's say, Rose, IQ, and Bullock, and um, Obi, of course. I think that would make sense. Um, but um, I'm also wondering about who you think we will sign as a backup center. Um, do not uh, go to re sign uh, Noel.
3: What I, what I hope that they do, and I, I want to preface this by saying that I very much appreciate Nerland's Noel for his contributions this year. I think he's a very nice player. I think his um, his blocks um, were absolutely were an emotional pick me up in, in many games that the team needed it. Um, I thought the I thought the block on Finney Smith was my was the number one play of the year for me personally, um, and I think also his quick hands and his ability to steal um, steal the ball and is a one probably their, was their only real source of transition um, offense this year. All of that being said. Um, I am in favor of bringing back Mitch to start um, re-sign Taj as one of your backups Norvell Pell is already on the books it's a non-guaranteed contract but like I'm fine with Norvell Pell as your third center and the reason I'm fine with Pell as your third center and Taj as your backup is I want to see whether it's five minutes a game, seven minutes a game, ten minutes a game whatever of Obi and Randall together Next year, and that is the big thing for me. Is I think it's time. I think let's unleash Obi as a small ball, uh, small ball five, against opposing backup units, and let's see how it goes. Um, Like, I believe in the kid. I want to see what he has. Um, Julius doesn't seem to be going anywhere, so because of that, um, that's why I'm cool with a Mitch, Taj, uh, Pell uh, center. Rotation.
10: Yeah, totally agree on uh, agree on that. Um, I think uh, that's much more important to to play Obi. Of course, a couple more minutes, eighteen to twenty-four. I think, and I hope, I really hope that uh, Tibbs is not going to try to bring him as a small forward, which oh, was I don't post. I don't think some places, which would be I don't horrible, think, I
3: think. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't think Tibbs would do that. I think Tibbs is. Yeah. Tim's Tim's might fool us sometimes, but he, he's not a, he's not a stupid man. Uh, I think he knows he, he knows the limitations of, of what we're be topping on defense. Um, yeah. But anyway, no good, 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 uh, good question. I like it, uh, Andrew. Who uh, just we got? Uh, maybe maybe one. Oh yeah, what else? Mark? One, I, more name, else. one more yeah. name.
10: One more name that just came to my mind. Um, if we had to send another backup center with a bit of shooting. Uh, I always think about Kelly Olenek. What do you think about him?
3: I like Olinick. Olinick he was, I mean, hell, he man. was probably Houston's best player over there the last 20 games. Um, but if you if you sign Kelly Olinick, you, probably, you're probably going to want to play Kelly Olenek. He's not a guy. Yeah. Like, the beautiful thing about Taj is that Taj, like, he wasn't playing at all when he first got here, and he was cool with it. Great teammate, great vet, great locker room presence. I think Kelly O'Linick's probably still at the stage where he wants to play. Um. So, you know, um, you know, that said, if that's the direction they wanted to go, I wouldn't completely hate it. Um, I also, I, I don't know. Um, I'm like, I kind of know what Kelly Olynyk is, and I, I kind of, I would much rather just give those minutes to Toppin at center. So, yeah,
2: took the words right cool. out of my mouth, John. Thank you. Hey, giddy up, <laughs> <laughs> Mark. Um, thank you right. for coming on. Yeah, as that's always, a, thanks man. for having
10: me.
3: And I yeah. just want to um, – I just noticed in the chat um, people talking about Duarte um, from Oregon, the, the guard. He is uh, older. He's going to be 24 by the time he, he uh, enters the league Jeez. next year. Um, that said, if there's a guy – if I had to place um, a, a couple of bucks on one guy ending up in New York um, as a result of uh, – after the draft this year, I think it might be Duarte. Because um, the worldwide West uh, connections uh, with Oregon aren't quite as deep as with Kentucky, but they're close. Uh, Kenny Payne was an assistant coach at Oregon for
7: uh,
3: five years before coming to Kentucky, and um, they, we already it was reported that like if they couldn't get quickly, um, what's his face, Peyton Pritchard was going to be the pick potentially last year in the Ooh. back back half of the first round. So like the Oregon connection is real. He's an older guy. He can come in, he can play right away. It's a position of need for the Knicks. Um, yeah, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't shock me. And yeah, Jeffrey's mentioning uh, apparently as a first round uh, promise because he devi- declined the invite to the combine. Yeah, I'd, I'd, somebody had brought that up to me yesterday.
2: All so, right. good stuff. Um, well it's hitting me now that how much draft stuff we're gonna do over the next two months. And oh, I'm so excited. It, yeah, I'm so Should excited for it. Yeah so much fun um okay so programming note we've got five people as requests uh, to speak some speaker requests uh and we don't want to be here until 2 p.m today so do, we're gonna uh, do five rapid, five and out rapid fire five rapid five fire five and out, all right guys so first go. things first uh mr stanzoni james welcome to the stage sir
5: how you guys doing i'm great james how are you Great, great, great. Um, currently on a beach in uh, St. Thomas, laying in the water, listening Look to you guys. Look God bless. <laughs> yeah. Nothing crazy. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys uh, a couple of questions about some free agents. Uh, how do you guys feel about um, Patrick uh, – Patty Mills, uh, J.J. Reddick, and uh, Dante Exum, like guys like that, like kind of under the radar guys?
3: Um, I'll give you my ranking right now. I will put J.J. Reddick first. Um, because I think he will come probably pretty cheap. Um, I've always loved Patty Mills. Um, I th- I think someone will pay him some money though if he even leaves San Antonio. And then I'll put Dante in third because I just I don't I don't know. I it's not not as I know he was like the fourth pick in the draft, but he's not terribly exciting for me personally
2: but i would love either of the first and two. i'll just add that i have the same order but 90 percent of it is biased and motivated personally that i would like to get jj reddick on this podcast and the way we can do that is if he plays for the knicks and makes that request definitely
5: definitely all right thank you guys
2: no problem james enjoy the beach i'm so jealous right now you have no idea no nah. I'm also a little jealous, although maybe this is a Long Island thing. I just found out that at Jones Beach, you have service because I'm used to going to Robert Moses and I've never had service there. So last week when I was, you know, surprising, uh, keeping my girlfriend from knowing that there's a surprise party coming, we're at Jones Beach. And I was like, oh, wow, I could have just unlocked a room here. So um, (laughs) shout out to James for enjoying the beach the correct way. You live and you learn. There you go. Uh, next to the stage, Joey. Welcome.
4: Hey, what up, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah, what's going on,
2: Joey? How you doing? All right, damn. I wasn't expecting to speak.
4: I was just taking a bite of something. So,
2: uh, all right. Oh, Apologies, Joey. My <laughs> <bye Bye>.
4: bad. <laughs> hey, and thanks for uh, just a programming note. Thanks for putting these on. This is actually kind of unreal to just wake up and hear some uh, hear some Nick talk right away while you're getting the agenda together for the Saturday and everything else. So, <laughs>
2: Yeah, good awesome. good
4: timing selection. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so anyways, big picture question. So I know uh, kind of the, the general, uh, general phrase or whatever you want to call it. Right. is like the team plays to win a championship. That's always the goal, you know, whatever. But honestly, to me, maybe this is a controversial take, but like, I would rather have the team that we had this year, Than even like Brooklyn's team or how the Warriors were when they had the super team together, because like, to me as a fan, and I just want to kind of hear your guys' perspective or take on this to me as a fan, it's, it's more fun to have these kind of like, uh, hardworking teams with a kind of will they, won't they dynamic in there for like off season booze and developing the young players and all that stuff versus like, okay, if you're an Alabama football fan, for instance, like, okay, sure, it's fun to win the national championship, but you don't get the same sort of, like, satisfaction, if that makes sense, of, like, just watching every game and, like, having a ton of... I mean, watching this team every other day where, okay, you win some, you lose some, but it was, like... I mean, it was electric, right? I mean, just I, I feel like this was just so much more fun than, than anything else, and uh, I don't know. To me, it's like, I want to just work slow. And if we don't end up winning the championship in the next 10, you know, five to 10 years, like, so be it as long as the team is like enjoyable to watch. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, after the last 20 years with, you know, with a couple of exceptions were, are mostly just abysmal. Um, I, I would never like this season. There's a reason we've all, I think said that this season was the most memorable season or for me, the second most memorable season of, of my life. Um, I do think though, it. There is something to taking steps forward. I think it is important to feel like you are progressing. Um, that is not to say that you need to go out and, and have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant sign with you one summer. Um, I'm really happy that I don't have to root for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I mean, I would if they were on this team, because I'm going to root for the Knicks regardless of who's on it um but like I don't like either of those guys um as people um that's just me um I know there are diversity of opinions about the about uh, in particular um Kyrie Irving I think some of the stuff he does is really honorable some of the stuff he does like taking off and just not playing basketball when he feels like it um is kind of just I that's not for me um I don't know anyone who likes Kevin Durant um in any case um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with slow and steady. Just, you know, you want to feel like you're taking steps every year. That's all. Uh, I'm fine being patient. But I, I do think, though, it, the thing with, and I wrote about this yesterday, the, there are, there are in, with the NBA, the way contracts are now and the way with get, when guys get paid and how they get paid and how much they get paid, um, it makes it tougher than it used to be. Um, A lot tougher, in fact, than even it was a few years ago. Um, And so that's just, you know,
2: it's something to keep in mind. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. But, John, how do you really feel about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Listen. (laughs) No, no, no. It was a joke. Was it it during the nine-game winning streak that we were – I don't know if it was texting privately or if it was on the pod – but when we we answered Joey's question and said I would have I would I would ra- not trade this season and how we're doing this for anything I'm glad that this happened over the the selling off your assets for Katie and Kyrie.
3: Uh, it was it was on the pot I think.
2: Okay, yeah I I wouldn't trade this season Joey for anything that could have happened. I get like a championship I would have traded for, but like building an identity and people that your fan base will actually enjoy and like, we have a generation of Knicks fans that grew up loving players like Alan Houston and Latrell Sprewell and Larry Johnson and John Starks and shit, Patrick Ewing guys who never won actually anything for us. So having guys like that, that feel like they have built an identity here, I think matters and we'll see how much more it matters as they start, as John said, to build towards something next. Yeah, I guess. Well said, Andrew. Yeah, I guess
4: for me, it's it's more like I almost have more fun with the hypothesizing on like how we're going to build the roster out and how we're going to, you know, who we're going to draft here and can we make this like versus honestly, I I don't know. I just don't feel like the winning the championship is like I know it's the quote unquote end goal, but there's to me more. Fun things in the. It's the journey. It's the it's the
3: journey. Um, (laughs) The journey matters, and no, I mean it's it's real. And some championships have more, you know, have more value than other others. Like you know, Zach Zach Lowe has talked about how like the the Mavs championship, and I completely agree with him. Like that to me is the most special championship, you know, that um, a team has had to experience. Even more so then the Cleveland championship. And I know obviously the, the the city of Cleveland has not exactly done a lot of winning, but like, um, I, 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 I don't know. I would, om- I, well, we don't need to get into that, but like, yeah, let's, let's, let's make this, you know, it, the, we've waited long enough. What's, <laughs> what's another couple of years, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, anyway, uh, good, good stuff. Uh, Joe, I appreciate the, the, the thoughts. Yeah. You- Thank,
2: Thank you, you. Joey. Uh, Next, a staple, Mr. Jonas Plout. Welcome to the stage, sir. Hey, what's up, guys?
5: What's going on, Jonas? How you doing? Not much. much. Pretty good conversation today, which I've enjoyed listening to. Um, And I guess for the sake of time, I was wanting to talk about the Lonzo conversation and the Lowry conversation, uh, because apparently I'm in the minority of the fan base, where I really don't want Lonzo that much, and I much prefer Lowry. But again, because I have quite a bit to say, I'll probably push that off towards Next week, and ask okay. something uh, smaller, which is uh, do you think it's more likely that they make their big splash? I mean, obviously, they're not going to probably end up making a huge splash this summer if it's not Dame or Kawhi, maybe Chris Paul, but is it more likely they make their big move in free agency or, you know, through trade? Um, I. That's a really good question. That's a
3: really good question. Um, I would say free agency. Um, for two reasons one i think this team the front office really values the players who are the most likely to be trade chips in a big trade which is to say obi Toppin and emmanuel quickly i don't i really don't think that i mean i have zero inside info on this um, i just my my own two cents is i don't think the front office has any great desire to trade um, either of those uh, guys. And also we have uh, a billion dollars in cap space. So not to say that cap space can't come in handy in a trade. Of course it can. Um, But I, there just because this is not, the ideal free agent market does not mean it is not a potentially helpful free agent market. And I think there are enough guys who are out there that can help them. Maybe not perfect, but, you know, they, you know, can help. So I think it's going to be free agency.
5: So you think, do you think it's more likely that they make like one big move or a series of, you know, smaller ones, not maybe on the scale of like signing small deals like Burks, Balak, Noel, but. Oh, I, I, I think. Of that
3: let me say this. I would be shocked if they did not sign someone in free agency. Um, and maybe it's the, I mean, in, in the case of Lonzo, maybe it's a sign and trade, but I would be, sh- that's essentially would be free agency. I would be absolutely shocked if they did not sign a player to uh, a contract that pays uh, average annual value of $20 million or higher. I think they absolutely
5: will this summer. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree with that. But as I said before, I mean, that's really it for me. I'll leave my controversial Alonzo take till next week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds good, man. I appreciate it as always, Jonas. Take care. Yeah, Yeah, you too. Thank you, Jonas. Um, Before I bring our last speaker request onto the stage, um, his question of trade or free agency, just hypothetically throwing it out there, the Jazz are up 2-0. Where's your kawaii meter at right now john it was at like five percent ten percent it got to 20 i think when the mavs were up two zero. where is it now it, it broke it it's uh it malfunctioned oh um, so it's a, it's not even a, a meter anymore it's not a meter anymore it's it's like a, one of those construct uh things on construction paper that your daughter makes it's an arts and uh, craft now Basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that's where we're at. It's
3: unfortunate the meter had a nice run. Um, but uh, yeah,
2: there there is no more meter anymore. You got it at Dollar Tree, didn't you? No offense to our friends at Dollar Tree if they're a sponsor of Blue Wire, but
3: <laughs> if or if they want to come sponsor, you know, yeah, uh, you know, podcast YouTube channel. We love Dollar Tree. I'm a big fan of Dollar
2: Tree. Actually. There you go. Oh, yeah. Dude, same balling on a budget over here. Um that's, Absolutely. Jason Meredith, welcome to the stage. Our file request of the day.
11: Hey, guys. Let's go ahead, Jason. I have a question. Since this is, like, the only real rumor we've had so far, um, what do you guys think about Kendrick Nunn and specifically what Ian Begley said that he's heard that there's some people that might think of the idea of playing him instead of getting, like, actual, like, a point guard, having him play point guard, which – I wasn't really a fan of that because I don't mind Kendrick Nunn but I kind of look at him as like a better version of Alec Burks. So what do you guys think of that?
2: Um
3: I I personally have a lot of trouble judging guys from a, a place like or, or that play for for the Heat or Yeah, honestly for for any of the the tip 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 top organizations in the league because I think I think the Heat get the most out of their guys, um, who are there. Um and like in terms of the fact that he's like not a real point guard, I mean obviously you know, he had he like averages three assists per game over his two year career, it's not a lot. Um I think he does enough good I think he does enough stuff that Tibbs likes um to to make him a, a, you know, a, a component component of the offense. I just, I don't, do I want to get involved in some kind of a bidding war? Um, I, I don't like, what is Kendrick Nunn worth? What do you pay Kendrick Nunn? Like, do I want to, like, do I want to pay Kendrick Nunn like $15 million a year is like, isn't that what he's going to cost? Like I, I, that's, probably,
11: I mean, maybe a yeah. tiny bit lower, but yeah, I mean, it depends on what the Heat do. Cause like, if the Heat spend their money on, like, let's say Kyle Lowry, then they might just say, "Yeah, sorry, Kendrick," and then we might be able to swoop in. But yeah, I mean, if if the Heat plan on retaining him, then yes, it's at probably at least 15. yeah, but
3: like even so, like you you need to pay more than the more than the market. Like the market is going to to dictate. Like Kendrick Nunn wants to get paid. Kendrick Nunn hasn't made any money in his career, so. Like that dude, he wants to make money, which is great,
11: John. I mean, so what's that? There's not that many teams with cap space. So once you get over the mid-level exception, you know, there's only a few teams that could pay him more.
3: For sure. And and Kendrick Nunn is like probably not everybody's cup of tea, but but like, okay, so let's just say, fine, it's over the mid-level exception. So that means you're going to need to pay him north of $10 million a year. This is a guy who was out of Miami's rotation at different points this year. Now he'd be out of their rotation and then he would be playing 30 minutes the next night. But again, that's what gets me back to the Miami thing. Like I have a really tough time figuring out guys with the heat and like, what is there? a good
11: example of what you're saying. He's been terrible. Josh Richardson has been terrible since he left Miami. Well,
3: I, I think that's more a function of the fact that he had one really hot shooting season and he has revealed himself to be a guy who just doesn't make enough shots. Um, yep. but I, I just—it's it, a little bit. I don't. I, if there was a real reward there, like in terms of like floor ceiling, if there was a mm-hmm. real ceiling there with Kendrick Nunn, but like I'll go back to the the. I think he was the first person mentioned on today's locker room. I would much rather invest money in Cameron Payne and see what Cameron Payne is. Then
11: why? Than- why? Why? are you hiring Cameron Payne than Kendrick Nunn? Cameron um, Payne's um, been league um, forever. He's had one good season. And now he's going to get way overpaid, if you ask me.
3: Well, let's but let's see. Like, if you're telling me that you could get campaign for three years, twenty million dollars, with the third year with like a very small partial guarantee. Why would the Suns not
11: match that, John? I don't. Maybe they will. Um, But that's you're going to have to pay him a lot more. I don't think he's going to come cheap because the Suns are not. The Suns might win a championship this year. They're not going to then say, "Hey, let's just let him go."
1: And
3: that's and that's fine. And and but that's why. I think it's important this summer to when you're talking about these guys who are not sure things. Yeah. you Like don't overpay any of them. Like make your offers, but I don't like I don't think there's there's a chance in hell that you're getting Kendrick Nunn on the cheap. If you listen, if Kendrick Nunn is if you could get him for 2 years 15 million, like sure, oh, take a shot. I don't think I, that's I, awesome. I I just don't think that that's going to happen, and I, I don't really have an interest in, like, making a huge bet on that dude. But
11: we'll see. Yeah, we'll I'm not a, I'm not a true. big Kendrick Nunn fan. It's just that he's the only player who I've heard, like, a real – like, Begley said it, and I don't trust, like, all these other people that have been saying, like, all these other rumors, so, you know.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. It's a, Listen, it's a, it's a good name to raise. That's – I
11: completely uh, – But I, I the- do feel like we're going to run into this with every player, you know. Every player that the Knicks can come, everyone's going to be like, ah, is that player really worth it? Well, but
3: that's that's <laughs> how you navigate free agency yeah. wisely. They did it. They did it last summer, and it resulted in them getting good value
11: on pretty much everybody they signed. Um, yeah, but they did it on the cheap last year. And if they if they actually want to like get players that like make exactly. them better, it's going to be tougher. No, and it it becomes tougher. I completely
3: agree with that. But it's you know, <laughs> yeah, building building a good team in the NBA is not supposed to be easy. That's why no. That's why you know not not everybody does it. But yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm fine kicking the tires, in short. All
11: right. That's all I really got since you guys want to go.
3: Well, we appreciate you coming on. Um, and uh,
2: I guess, yeah. Is that is that it, Andrew? I, I believe that's it. Good call to wrap up. Oh, that was feisty. I like that. Um, <laughs> I agree on the Miami thing, by the way. As much slander as I gave Miami, they're still – Like the only analogy I could come up with since we started this pod talking about baseball, um, the late nineties, early two thousands Braves had a pitching coach named Leo Mazzoni. I remember him. Every single pitcher that went there, whether it was a reclamation project or a guy coming off injury, he would suddenly like there's Kevin Millwood was great there. Jared Wright would go there. Uh, Russ Ortiz would go there. And then all of a sudden, pitch great and then they'd leave the Braves and go back like resort, re- re- revert back to their original form and that's, I think Miami is that where, like you mentioned Kelly Olenek, um went there and now he left and wasn't as great. Um, yeah, I, I think someone leaving Miami to come anywhere else or to go anywhere else is something I would stay away from. But like you said, price matters too. So we'll see. Um, Okay, guys, thank you for joining us for another Saturday morning locker room live stream. We'll be back here next Saturday and throughout the summer. Uh, New pod with Jeremy dropping Monday at midnight as always. Uh, John, do you have anything before we wrap up? I don't think so. I just really want to say again, I, I can't
3: thank everybody enough for coming and being a part of this and, and giving really good, thoughtful questions that like, like I said at the top of this, that like I my my Nick's brain was kind of like uh, slowing down, and a lot of the stuff that was raised today definitely has it um, speeding back up. So I, I I appreciate
2: all of you guys. Agreed. We'll be back with you next Saturday. Thank you, everybody.
5: Adios, folks. Be well.
8: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast.